let's look back on what was happening this time last year. A political earthquake, it was called, a seismic shift in the electoral landscape, a redrawing of the map. I'm talking, of course, of the 2022 federal election. Please welcome to the stage the man set to be the 31st Prime Minister of Australia. Tonight, the Australian people have voted for change. That we, as a community, have risen and taken what was considered a safe, liberal seat and actually sung out and said we want to see things done better. Team Zoe. What we have achieved here is extraordinary. I want to show people that regular people can be good at this. I want people like me to look at at me here and say, if she can do it, so can I. The victory of Anthony Albanese was obviously the headline story. You heard him being introduced there, of course, by Penny Wong. But almost as noteworthy and newsworthy was what became known as the Teal Revolution, the success of so many female independents, not all of whom, it has to be said, were Teals. The success of the Greens was also part of what some have labelled the new politics. Well, three of the women who won this time last year are with us now. Kylie Tink, the member for North Sydney, Zoe Daniel, the member for Goldstein, and Tammy Tyrrell, the new senator for Tasmania. Good morning to you all. Good morning. Kylie, I'm going to start with you. We talk about how the election changed the landscape and there's no more vivid representation of that really than Sydney Harbour. It should be true blue, shouldn't it? But there isn't a Liberal seat anymore with a really good view of the harbour. You were part of that. And I wonder, when did you get a sense that something was happening? in the North Sydney constituency, that there was a there was a groundswell for change here? Nick, I think during the entire election campaign, I was overwhelmed by the number of people that kept turning up and wanting to get involved. Um, you know, I think what's important to remember is this, this truly was an initiative of the community. The community was frustrated. There was a real sense that we just didn't matter. We'd been described as inner city, you know, sipping latte, <laughs> latte sippers. There was this real um, despondency for Australian politics. So it was during the campaign, there was a very, very positive move. But if I'm completely honest, even up until the night of the election result, I didn't know whether we'd won the actual outcome. I knew we'd won the election campaign because we'd been able to drive a different conversation. So turning up every day had meant we'd won. But um, you could have knocked me over with a feather on the night when they actually turned around and said, (laughs) you are the member for North Sydney. (laughs) Zoe, when I saw the launch of of your campaign and the crowds that had gathered, and they they were big crowds that had gathered, um, I remember thinking, my goodness, there's a kind of political prairie fire in the Australian uh, suburbs. Um, uh, Were you struck by that? Because I remember watching those pictures and we covered American politics together, you for the ABC, me for the BBC. I thought, this looks pretty American. Were Were you surprised by that turnout and were you surprised at what it represented? Yeah, there was a level of momentum that we built during the campaign and Goldstein had been a safe Liberal seat in its various iterations since Federation, so taking the seat on was a big step. But over the course of the campaign, the level of optimism and positivity around it drew more and more people in and and actually just took on a life of its own to the extent that when we did have that big launch that you're referencing in April, 
about 1,500 people turned up on a sunny day in Bayside to hear me speak and to join in. And even when I run into those people in the street now around the suburbs here in Goldstein, they tell me that it was the most positive thing that they'd ever experienced to be involved. So it was very different in the context of Australian politics in that sense because people found it really fun uh, and really tapped into that positive energy. And the end result was that not only did we win on election day, but we have changed the tone in the parliament. And that remains very exciting. Senator Tammy Tyrrell, you're part of the Jackie Lambie network down there in, in Tasmania. You beat Erica Betts to, to reach the Senate. I mean, what people seem to be saying in these urban seats on the Australian mainland was that they wanted a, a different kind of politics, a new kind of politics. Was, was that true as well in Tasmania? Oh, that was, really was a resounding success down here, change. Um, 28 years of the same flavour and then they picked me. Like, I am the most abstract person to get into politics that <laughs> probably has walked the earth. I, I I really appreciate that the people of Tasmania um, took a leap of faith, like I said, because it's a, it's a Liberal government down here and it's been a Liberal government for quite a while. And it's been a Liberal government on the mainland and a lot of the people here in Tasmania are very staunch supporters of that. Um, and Eric, um, great speaker, great engager of people, um, he's, he's a tough act to follow, but he did have a few views that here in Tasmania were way too entrenched. So Tasmanians are a bit wicky-wacky-woo. They love somebody who will sit down with them and talk about what Auntie Barb down the road's doing and what Uncle Larry or Baz has been doing at the men's shed. And Tasmanian people are very, very grassroots. Um, in my street in Alveston, um, we've got um, domestic violence home. We have tradies. We've even got a psychologist, which every now and again I'm tempted to tap on their door in the middle of the night to say, hey, is this normal? Am I okay? I'm just proud. And even now I don't believe I have won this privilege. Uh, it's it's just such an emotional and psychological rollercoaster. Um, everybody should try politics. It makes you come out of who you are in the real world. It makes you look at yourself in a whole new light. And you've got to take on board what people in your community think and believe and want you to be. Yeah, so I always say that I'm a bit strange. I think you've got to be a little bit strange to be in politics, but you've got to have a good heart as well. <laughs> um, the community aspect of this, which you alluded to there, the grassroots, Carly, um, was that what made this different, a kind of community mobilisation that we haven't seen before? I mean, so many books have been written about this, so many really excellent books have been written about this, trying to sort of understand the essence of this, this revolution. I mean, you've had a year to think about it. What, what's your take? Oh, absolutely, Nick. You know, I often, I still say when I'm speaking here in North Sydney, there is no me without we. And in fact, you know, everything I do as a member for North Sydney is still fundamentally informed by what I'm hearing from the people on the ground. You know, we do we do regular surveys across the electorate to hear how people are feeling about different policy positions the government might want to take. I'm always out there listening. We have community pop-ups, um, mobile offices. We do community events. So, you know, post the budget, we'll do Zoom meetings to bring everybody into the loop on what I heard and ask what they're hearing. So it is incredibly 
I think the the amazing opportunity of being a community independent, but also one of the biggest challenges of being a community independent is really working hard to stay tapped in to what real people are thinking and feeling and hearing and how they're hurting. You know, cost of living at the moment is an enormous pressure on all of us, no matter where you live, and what their aspirations are, you know, which in my electorate continue to be a better country, you know, faster action on climate, integrity brought back to politics, gender equality fundamentally informed and and you know, reformed and treating people better, like actually just being the best we can possibly be as a nation. And I think letting North Sydney's voice loose independently in that chamber has really driven that discussion when it comes to parliament because, you know, the government can't guarantee what I'm going to say on any given day when they raise a policy issue. But my my community knows I'm going to say what they want me to talk about. I want to talk about being in that chamber, being in that room where it happens, uh, the experience of, of being a parliamentarian. Zoe Daniel, you were a chronicler of politics, a spectator of politics. If I'd have been sat in this chair, what, three years ago, I'd have been introducing you as the ABC's Washington correspondent. Uh, what's it like now to be a participant in politics? It's extremely empowering. Um, and indeed, listening to what the senator had to say really resonates with me as someone who actually grew up in Tasmania, that grassroots aspect of what all of us are doing, I think, is a very strong thread through both the Senate and House crossbench. And for me, it's about being in and of community listening and then different to journalism, taking what I hear and translating that into conversations with ministers, the Prime Minister and into the Parliament. So it's a very direct form of democracy. And it is very exciting to get into that room, to be at that table. It was a huge step for someone like me who'd been around politics and knows how toxic it can be uh, for a long time to actually step into that room. But at the end of the day, someone has to do it. And having the more ordinary people who've had all sorts of different life experiences in that room brings something very different, very positive, very productive and much more collaborative, I think, than what we had seen in Australian politics, particularly in recent history. You talk about the level of toxicity. Uh, one question I've always wanted to ask you is, is what impact did your time in the States have? I mean, it got as toxic as I've ever known it in American politics. I wonder whether you left the shores of America thinking there's got to be a different kind of politics and I should be involved. I did. I left the US covering the Trump administration feeling really concerned about the future of democracy, uh, particularly the fragmentation of trust among communities in leadership and where that's driving people to down the rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. It's incredibly dangerous. So a big driver for me, even though it would have been a lot easier not to do this, was to try to help be one of those pieces in restoring that trust. And again, I think that's a thread that runs across both crossbenches. You hear Senator Tyrrell talk about the level of directness and grassroots interaction that she and Jackie do. And to a degree, I think we all do that across both crossbenches to really genuinely listen and represent our communities to try to enable people to feel really represented, truly represented. Uh, Tammy Terrell, you've been working with Jackie Lammy as a staffer for quite a few years, but 
I imagine it's a very different thing to have your own seat in the Senate, uh, in the Senate, and and to hold the balance of power in in the Senate. You think I would have learnt my lesson, wouldn't you, and run away <laughs> screaming, terrified into the darkness? Look, um, eight years I worked for Jackie. I actually rocked up in Jackie's team two weeks after she took her seat for the very first time. So I walked into a very interesting dynamic in in the one that she was um, elected into, and then she threw threw that away um, and decided that you know what Tasmanians deserve a true Tasmanian voice and to represent it in. The, str- the strange and beautiful and elaborate way that Jackie does. Um, so technically, I never really wanted to go into politics. I'm one of those rare people that I have never travelled overseas. I've been to Queensland once in my whole life. The most international travel has been to the Big Island for me. So what I find amazing is that I don't know. Politics is the strangest thing on the planet. You look at the odds, you've got this big Bible that you're meant to follow the guidelines on, and then you sit on the floor and you get into question time and you see some of the most intelligent, um, most represented people in Australia, and they're bickering like children. Um, David Pocock, um, Ralph Babbitt and I often look at each other, roll our eyes, and you know, we think to ourselves, we are never going to look like that. We do not want to make ourselves look like children on the Senate floor because we respect the title that we've got way too much. Um, the other thing that amazes me every time is that people put politicians on a pedestal. They appear on all these national TV shows and you go, clever, intelligent, all the rest of it, but I can walk out of the Senate floor into one of the chambers and they're in there eating um, corn chips or Doritos, um, and eating candy because they're tired. They're there for the reason that they want to represent their um, their constituencies. Some people have bigger constituencies than others that are different voices. Yeah, you've raised a really interesting point there about the, the nature of Australian politics. It can be very macho, it can be very ugly. Um, my daughter went to Canberra on a school trip recently, and frankly, I was glad that it wasn't a sitting week. And, and I'd say the same in <laughs> Westminster, I would say the same in Washington. I mean, so often you just don't want to expose your children to that, that mm. spectacle of question time. Um, uh, Kylie, how, how much headway do you think you've made in changing the tone of Canberra? I think we've definitely made progress. I think I I was smiling as I was listening to Tammy talk about the Senate because, and I think Zoe would join me here, those first few times of sitting in the House of Reps during question time, we could almost look at everybody on the crossbench and we were all, we were dumbstruck. <laughs> we just didn't know which way to look. And um, in fact, I don't think, you know, the guys would mind me sharing this, but the, the Speaker of the House has termed the crossbench prefects corner because we sort of all, when question time is going down, we'll listen. But the minute it sort of deteriorates into um, a bun fight, as I would describe it, we tune out and get on with the work that we have sitting in front of us because we don't see, you know, the value in engaging. But with that said, I mean, there's some very practical things that we have done. Zoe, very early on in her term, did an extraordinary thing and I think shocked the entire house in that she stood up and moved a motion to actually change the order of how the questions would be asked to ensure that the crossbench questions were prioritised. And I think, you know, I think 
in that moment, what I recognised is what's been true of the house ever since. We constantly surprise them. We hold them to account in a way that the two-party system doesn't hold itself to account. Um, I'm most One of the things I'm most proud of is I, I was dumbfounded going into politics that there was no code of conduct for parliamentarians, parliamentary staff, parliamentary workplaces. You know, there wouldn't be a person in the rest of the country, in the environment that they work in, that doesn't have to sign some sort of, yeah, this is how I'm going to behave um, while I'm here. But we, that, that didn't exist in Parliament. But within the first six months of um, me going in, I joined a working group. We now have a code of conduct for parliamentarians and, and their staff. And I think, you know, for us, it's slowly, slowly a process of trying to lift to lift the behaviour. Even the other day, a magic moment, Allegra Sender from our colleague from Wentworth, the chamber was going completely raucous and um, Allegra just stood up, called the speaker's attention and just said, this behaviour is disorderly. And the whole chamber just looked at her and the speaker said, yeah, you're right. Everybody needs to calm down. So, Zoe, what's your sense? Have you managed to affect a cultural change yet? It's a process of what our colleague Kate Cheney, the member for Curtin, would describe as nudging. Um, I think very quickly you realise when you get into the political arena that nothing will change overnight. But if you can put the building blocks in place, uh, you can build the scaffolding to actually launch change. And I think that's what we've been doing. And what Kylie's described is exactly right. There have been several examples of surprises in the chamber. Another one was when Kylie stood up on International Women's Day and acknowledged the number of women in Australia who had died at the hands of a farm, a partner or former partner. Uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the chamber. Um, and it was just, it was something different. It was a different way of thinking. It, it was something that happened because of the number of women that are now in that chamber and the women from different walks of life who think differently about things. So they're the kinds of things that you start to introduce. But uh, the other thing, Nick, and this has been said to me by senior ministers, is that there is a different air around the parliament generally uh, because of the introduction of some of these codes of conducts and different uh, behavioural rules. For example, we don't vote in the House on divisions after 6.30 in the evening. That means people can go home those who, are, who live in Canberra and who have families, can go. Uh, staff can go home and see their children. Uh, parliamentarians are not sitting around in their offices until all hours. Different in the Senate, I, I acknowledge. But, oh, I was going to say, know, dang, I'm, I'm changing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Tammy, back to you. I mean, when you go to your constituents in, in Tasmania and point to what you've actually achieved in the past year. What do you say? I mean, you've been involved in, in negotiations over a housing future fund. Um, I mean, that's a big deal, presumably. Uh, look, it's a big deal for me and it's a big deal for the people of Tasmania. And the deal that I did means that every state and territory gets an equal share of the pie. ACT was promised pretty much not a lot. And they too will get 1,200 homes and they've got a huge homeless problem. South Australia is the same. Interacting with the government to try and represent the people who elected you sometimes is frustrating and boring and totally pull your hair out because a lot of the time, because they are practised and they believe that they are perfect, they believe that they can pull the wool over your eyes. They can say something um, to you in regards to the half. We went to them with an idea about 
for 1,200 homes for every state and territory, equal share of the pie, and then divide the rest up. They came back and said to me that it was constitutionally not able to do it. We did our research. We went to the parliamentary library, and guess what? It's constitutionally allowed. You have to have your wits about you as an independent in the Australian parliament. You have to not take everything at face value, and you need to make sure that the people you have around you, your staff have your back and are on the same page as you and that they're connected to your community. Um, I have all of my staff are here in Tasmania. They're all living in the community except for one. She's a part-timer in Canberra. Um, and they live in the community and they are talking to people as well as me. But um, the government don't have to talk to you if they don't want to. We tried to put some amendments up to the domestic violence legislation and they ignored us because they didn't need our vote. And that's the other thing. You can be in there for all the right reasons and want to make change. But if you're not in the equation, they will ignore you. And that's frustrating. Well, that's a good point to end it on. uh, Senator Tammy Tyrrell, uh, who's the senator down there in Tasmania. Thank you very much. Kylie Tink, an independent MP for North Sydney. Zoe Daniel, uh, the independent MP for the seat of Goldstein. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. It's been great to talk. Thanks for having me. One of the things that always uh, strikes me about Australian elections, of course, is that they happen on a Saturday. Uh, that doesn't happen in my homeland. It doesn't happen in my uh, this place where I came from, America. And it really should. It's a great way uh, of boosting uh, turnout. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.